This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello. And welcome to Line Dance Podcast with Megan Barcelia and Christopher Gonzalez. We are continuing our list of 350 good questions to ask, a list of conversation starters. This list has been in progress for literally years on the Line Dance Podcast. <laughs> We're finally into the 200s group. We are now on number 211. What sport could you play the longest in a televised game without anyone discovering you aren't a professional athlete? Dancing? <laughs> Although technically I have competed. Does that count as professional? Did you get paid? To compete? No. Well, there you go. You're an amateur. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with that one because, yeah. I think if it counts as a sport, chess. Yeah, I could play that in a televised game and look very confident because I've played it before. And anyone, uh, let's see, anyone watching wouldn't discover I'm not a professional athlete because I would have my glasses and a nice collared shirt and a, a blazer, a sport coat, and I would look very serious and I would ponder. But I wouldn't do a speed chess, so they would definitely discover that I'm not a professional if I tried to do speed chess. I do not like to be rushed. I think this is also why I prefer in line dance to learn at my own pace from step sheets. I like to think and puzzle over the parts that I need more time on. And if there are parts I want to speed through, then that's at my discretion. Um, In speed chess, I don't like the feeling that the other person figured something out quicker than you, so now you need to make a potentially careless choice and go at his pace. I don't like going at other people's pace, I like going at my pace. And that's how it ties into line dance. So my answer is chess. Yeah, Um, I don't think I'm... uh, I don't think I could say soccer anymore because it's been so many years since I've played soccer. Um, Definitely not softball. It's been too too long since I've played softball for me to look like I'm a professional. So dance. Dance would be the closest thing I have. All right. Number 212. Woo! You. Oh, you no. You like this one. If you could talk to animals and they would yes! understand you. Yes! All of them! But you couldn't understand them, what would you do with that power? Exactly what I do for a living? <laughs> Tell them, just take the shot. It's good for you. I'm here to help. Well, see, that's... I think... Okay, if we're going to get real for a second here, and it's not be... Um, dance related that's I think one of the best lessons I've ever learned is how to communicate without words because of the fact that there's no way to guarantee that an animal really truly understands the words that are coming out of your mouth other than the idea of getting used to the sound inflection and tone of your voice and what they may have associated by repetition, such as, you know, sit. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they understand. I mean, I guess it's the same way humans learn language. They hear it enough times, so they associate it with the proper action, and therefore they sit when they hear the word sit. So I guess in a certain way, animals do already know, but if they understood me perfectly, you know, I would be able to say, you know, it's okay, we're here to help. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to, you know, 
you will we'll take care of the pain. Just show me where it hurts kind of situation. But yeah, it's still, I would still be in the field I am and do that because as cool as it would be to teach, you know, animals line dancing. <laughs> I think that's how I'd use my power. I mean, if I'm relating it to dancing, yeah, I'd just teach them line dance and tell them you'll get extra treats. There will be incentives if you learn. Dance, monkey, dance! Yeah. Sorry, yeah. it was too easy. <laughs> I'm wondering if there weren't a dance-related answer for me. If I could talk to them, they would understand, but I wouldn't understand them. What do I do with that power? You go oh, really dark. I might, I might empathize with them. Like, when I hear a bird calling and it's trying to mate, I might say, like, hey, it'll be alright. You'll find the right one. And then it would understand. Like, yeah, I will. <laughs> or, uh, oh, I would, oh, if I'm removing something like a spider from my house, I would let, I would let it know it's not you. Like, I have nothing against you. You're fine. I hope you're gonna be, you're gonna be okay outside. I just... I know that sometimes we can have a misunderstandings in the middle of the night. I don't want you to crawl in my ear. So Yeah, thanks. Yeah, if you if you if you're okay outside, that's where I'm gonna put you, but just know that like there's nothing wrong with you as a spider. You do vital work and I appreciate you. Maybe I would just let more animals know that I appreciate them. The bees, man. I was gonna I say would you would them. invite every single bee to your house yes. to be in your backyard if you could. Yes. Even if I went to, like, other locations, I'd be like, you know, I got some really good stuff back home in my garden. Come check it out. And uh, maybe I would give them, like, navigation directions. Yeah. All right. Or they just tell them to follow me. Uh, let's see. Number 213. Oh, what's the most boring sport, and what would you do to make it more exciting? Ooh. I mean, we already kind of have maybe dance-related uh, answers for that. But sport-wise, I mean, I don't actually watch curling, but I imagine that unless you, like, I don't know, are deep into that life, then it's just sweeping on ice. But what would make it more exciting? Obstacles. Obstacles make every sport more exciting, I think. Or they could. So if we're going to go with actual sports that I've seen, because, yes. like you said, curling, so I don't know how boring it is or not. Um, and I apologize to all of those who love the sport, but golf. Uh, I'm so bored watching golf. Whack the ball, get in the cart. Whack the ball, get in the cart. Whack the ball, get in the cart. Yeah. You know, it's like, all right. Um, so maybe uh, trick shots could be cool. Or like, like you said, obstacles. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of mini golf. Yeah. Mini golf is fun. Yeah, yeah. It's all about obstacles there. So I don't know. Now, dance wise, some things that we, I mean, I like the idea of. Ob we've probably talked about in previous episodes. I think it would be interested, interesting to do certain dances while things are being fired at you, like tennis balls, or well, I mean, we already we'll had say the nerf not gun. soft nerf gun. Yeah, somebody fired some nerf balls at us at Heart of Texas. I want to say, I say us, but I don't know that... I was never shot at, no, so either A, I'm not liked, or B, I am. Yeah. So, I don't know how to take that. <laughs> um, I like the idea of dancing while dodging things in a safe way. Um, maybe dancing blindfolded. Oh. Uh, speeding up and slowing down the, the tempo we've seen done I before. love that. That's, that's always fun and entertaining. Uh, song changing and dance changing. So, if you're... 
dancing the same dance to the same song over and over, maybe change out the song. Okay. Stuff like Maddie's Mad Minute. Yeah. That would be fun, where it's throw as many as possible on as quickly as possible without telling people what dance they are. Um, the show that we, you and I were involved in for Pike's Peak last year, where the audience got to pick dances out of a hat, and then we had to go and perform them. That was a lot of fun. So, like, you had to just kind of go out there. And if you didn't know it, you're still performing, so you had to go out there and just make something up. So, like, that's kind of fun. Hmm. Mm, let's see. Maybe dancing on different surfaces. So if it's a if it's something that you're like, yeah, I'm confident. I know this is like easy, smooth wood. And maybe like safely do it on ice. Maybe do it on a platform that moves, so it tilts in different directions, and you have to stay balanced while it moves under you. And maybe you could be like harnessed or something from the ceiling so that you don't fall down you just kind of fall into suspension um, oh maybe like dancing while skydiving so that if you are on a platform that's connected to you at the waist like okay imagine a small portable dance floor with four posts at each corner and the posts are connected to something like an elastic hula hoop that goes around your waist. So that any, it's like those baby things where they walk and the, the thing has wheels. You're sitting in the middle. It's like a flying saucer almost. And they're in the stir, the, the, the what would that be called? Like almost like one of those cup swings. Um, so you'd be in this like cup swing on a, on a dance floor that's falling tens of thousands of feet from the air. I think it's tens of thousands. I've never gone skydiving myself. And maybe when the parachute deploys you're kind of stable so then you can do the dance in the in the air while you're falling and you have to finish however much of it before you touch down that's terrifying Ooh, hot air balloon dance floor so that would make any dance more interesting if you're in a hot and we've already talked Again. about space so terrifying space is the easy one <laughs> but maybe that's my fear of heights speaking oh what else uh, I'm trying to think, is there anything you could do underwater? Well, I mean, any dance underwater would be really cool. Um, oh, oh, okay. Hey, do you remember that game Thin Ice where, like, the, the tissue breaks or something? Like, the, the tissue gets wetter, and then, like, as the pieces are going across, they, like, it breaks. Or, like, don't break the ice. I forget what it's called. Anyway, um, what if you were suspended on a... You're on a dance floor. You're dancing on a dance floor made out of like sugar glass or something that could crack and break and you're suspended over a swimming pool i'm out dude i'm out and you're like crazy <laughs> and it starts with smooth dances you could do like pieces or let me love you and you're just going across and then they start putting on stuff like the beast or cowboy up and you're like trying not to stomp but you still have to do the steps and the hopping uh -huh. and the hitching and the yeah yeah so then the, like maybe it's on ice it's like a thin layer of ice so it's non-lethal and the more you dance like the warmer the ice is getting and it's getting thinner and then eventually some dance that they put on as they make it more challenging for you breaks it and then you fall into the water and there's this part of me that's like who comes up with this stuff and apparently it's Line Dance Podcast. Um, so somebody take that idea and run with it. That's not. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrifying. Let's not. <laughs> what else could make it more interesting? 
Now I'm thinking like we're driving through hills and I'm wondering if there's any way to do something in a cave, like dancing in a cave. Oh, yes. Okay, so you're dancing. It's kind of like the obstacle thing. You're dancing under artificial stalactites and they start to like make, there's some signal they give, like a chime or or maybe they go to the beat of the music. So you're doing some music and then on a strong downbeat, the stalactites like shake, kind of like that. And, <laughs> and then they give some signal, maybe they light up or something and you have to be mindful of which ones are lighting up and they break and they come down toward you. Maybe they can be made out of Nerf, you know? Just like foam. What is with you and all the violence? It's not violent, it's uh, It sounds it's like you're gonna get killed. Interactive Nerf stalactite dance. Falling from the sky, breaking the ice, getting impaled. But like, while you're <laughs> dancing, you're, you're focused on what's above you. And for a dance that travels, like revolution, easy peasy. You can move around so much, no one would even notice that you're dodging things. But then they give you a dance like K is for kicks, where you're barely moving at all, and all the stalactites are directly above you. So then you have to think, how am I gonna do this K step bigger? How am I gonna do this shimmy with like a dive across the side to my right and then to the left because all the stalactites are reforming and falling? This might make more of like a video game than, uh, than like a live thing that you could do. Oh, let's see what else. What else would make? Okay, well, see if it's dance related. We I don't think we could say like what's the most boring. Right. Um, but I think those would be applicable to any dance that you would otherwise be, you know, less enchanted with over time. Oh, and we already know this about dances. Even if it's a dance you've done many many times before, do it in a different venue and with different people who have never seen it before and it all becomes fresh again. Like even if you've done the same old like opener dances at events enough times that you know ah, I don't really need it again need to do it again for like the fifth time this weekend, you go to a new event, you'll do it the first time probably because you've never done it there before or you've never done it at a farmer's market before. Uh, it freshens it up no matter what the dance is. Uh, oh, also yelling things, adding local culture to dances. Um, in like second time around when they do the take it slow uh, in the JC events because there's one part that a lot of people uh, will yell out for but then there's that other part the take it slow toward the end that's not actually in the lyrics yeah exactly yeah and people just do it because it's similar to the part earlier in the dance or in the song I like that I like that so when you can find in a dance culture that you can add you and your friends can add that really stamps it as being affected by you. Sometimes dances affect you, um, and sometimes dances are affected by you, like what you do to contribute. So if you can find ways you can contribute with like some pantomime of the lyrics or uh, lyrics that you can add in in that case, that, that can help freshen up dances. We could do like a whole episode. You could do something along the lines of um, like a dance tag-in in other words, Ooh. where it's, you know, a bunch of teens or whatever dancing, the, you know, and then, like, it song switches or whatever, and it goes into a new dance in the sense of, like, the Mad Minute, then you can tag somebody else in. Yeah, like they've done in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Or actually kind of like what we did in Pice Speak, because, like, not everyone could remember all of them except us. 
and, uh, and they were tagging each other in. Um, also, Dance Roulette, which we've, we've talked about before, where every wall, like if it's like a 120 beats per minute dan- uh, song, you can do a lot of different dances to it. And if you have a cheat sheet, that makes it even easier. You can just call before the next wall starts, Dizzy, and then everyone's doing Dizzy. And then the next uh, Rhythm Inside or something. And then for however many counts it takes to do one wall of that dance, maybe two, um, you, know, you, you just change it out on the fly Yep. One after another. Wow. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, I'm sure there's. I'm sure you can come up with more. Yeah. I, I really feel like I need to answer the question of like, what is the most boring? Maybe in terms of like a type. Is there something that doesn't engage me? Too much repetition. I like the way Rachel establishes patterns and then breaks them. If there's too much pattern repetition and no break and nothing fresh about it. That can make me zone out, like, uh, it's this for the fourth time. It's almost like there's a rule that you can do certain things three times, but the fourth time might just be one too many. Um, if it's the same thing. If it has a twist on it, maybe not. Maybe then you can break it. Is there anything else that I don't need? Oh, if it's an... Okay, so this is kind of like the opposite of what we said with how Rachel opens dances interestingly. I remember we did an interview with somebody a while back who said, why does every nightclub start with a nightclub basic? And I like when a dance starts in a unique way so that when somebody says, hey, how does this start? You can show them within like two to four counts they know, oh, it's that dance. But if it's a nightclub and you start with a nightclub nightclub basic, or if it's a, a Latin rhythm and you start with a mambo step, like some of these are so predictable that it takes you a while to warm up. Like, oh, eight counts in, now I like this dance. If you can start with something grabby and, and interesting immediately, then eventually you can like calm them down and, and do the thing that Joe says of alternating. Like, you did a hard thing, now we'll do an easy thing. But you need to start with the hard thing, otherwise easy won't be as rewarding. Maybe I'll circle back around to this as I feel the caffeine kicking in. All right, let us see what is next. Number 214. What's the creepiest tech out there? Ooh. Um, Dance-wise, I don't know if we really have creepy tech. Some people probably don't like being live-streamed, but they can just not be in the camera's um, view, and that's fine. Um, Something that we've suggested could be fun or good or useful, but people wouldn't like, is a list of all the dances that you know and exactly how you feel about all of them without having to enter it yourself. If the DJ could just see the room and be like, oh, they like this one right now. They just learned it two days before this event. There's no way I should have been able to know that, but I know that this is one they really want to review tonight, so I'm gonna play it. That would be kind of creepy if, you, if you're a dancer and you don't know that the DJ can do that. Especially if you're like a very prim and proper dancer and then you want to hear like freaky skills. And, and get your freak on. Um, that could be considered creepy by some. What exists now? Do you have thoughts on this? Anything surveillance really? Yeah, I mean, that's the hard part is, I guess it's a matter of perspective yeah. on what you would deem creepy because, I mean, we're the generation with all the tech. Yeah. We were without the tech as, like, kids, children, children, 
toddlers, but we were the ones that were around when computers got into the houses, you know, when it went from nothing to pager to cell phone to mini computer as your cell phone in your back pocket, you know, Polaroid to, you know, film to now it's on your digital phone. You don't even have SD cards as much anymore, you know, like there's, there's cassette tape to CD to MP3 player to digital streaming. Like, I mean, we have seen so many, so that's, I think our generation is very desensitized to tech, whereas someone else who is older, that all of it might be considered quote unquote creepy or invasive. Um, Whereas like the kids even below us are like, this is boring. I remember the first time my brother played a game on Xbox not Xbox 360, not Xbox One, but Xbox. The first words out of his mouth was, gosh, these graphics are horrible in his younger voice and his language. I'm substituting. Um, and I started laughing. I was like, I remember when Xbox was like the elite graphics. Let's bust out some like Atari, dude. You know, because that's what I played with as a child. <laughs> So, I don't know if I really have an actual answer as to what's, what is currently creepy. Um, I would have to say anything that's, you know, surveillance has a huge potential in the disturbing factor. Two thoughts. One, if just making a blanket statement about the concept of creepy, like what is creepy, like when you think about somebody creeping behind bushes, it's, it's that privacy thing of like, somebody having information that they shouldn't have by any means, whether it's they're peering through the window so they're knowing things about you and you don't know that they can see you. Or if it's them, if it's like a a company reading everything you type and hearing everything you say, like Alexa from Amazon or Google Nest or Google Home or whatever it's called from Google, um, having your phone listen into everything, having ad services know what's you know being discussed in your household and then providing ads that are relevant to that so just using a blanket statement of like knowledge that shouldn't be had by some party um, one the one thing that's sort of outside of that that I I could see as being interpreted as creepy even though it's in a way like not facial recognition because it's really just geometric data it's it's a picture of something that's made of certain shapes and you wouldn't consider it creepy for a computer to identify a circle or a triangle or a square based on certain rules that those shapes follow and since your face is just a bunch of shapes very nuanced uh, with proportions that are consistent from photo to photo of course a computer would be able to read it but it's still kind of strange to think it knows that I'm in this photo it knows that I'm in this video just because of the way computers work. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not knowledge that it shouldn't have, but it's so beyond us, it's like weird science magic. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So that would, I guess, be the dance-related creepy tech thing, is like, how does it know that I'm in the survivor photo without me telling it? Yeah. yeah. All right. Number 215. Who did you used to look up to 
What are these questions? I who told you, you the other night. They're kind of dark. Yeah. Who did you used to look up to, but they screwed up and you lost faith in them? Oh, ouch. I don't know if I'd ever say that. I'm just going to move on from that one, I think. I'm going to alter that question and say, okay. who was the first person in line dance that you looked up to? Mm. The first person that, that made you keep going. Okay. Made your their first impact. Yeah, and they did something amazing, and you gained faith in them. I don't care about that part, but like the the idea is like you know what was the first person who inspired you to keep going? But even then, like there has to be something that they did. They weren't just like waiting at a bus yeah. stop, so they had to do something to make an impact. Because um, that's a little bit more challenging. Uh, well, I remember Rachel with the floor splits at Northwest Line Dance Blast. That was huge. I, I thought it was so extra to like what is expected of her as a person on staff she didn't have to bring floor splits for the beginners to do in the main ballroom just because the beginner room was closed she chose to when no one else had and I thought that was super above and beyond and really showed what her character in the dance world is like what she what she feels is important to um, to add not just you know what what's the least she could do I definitely remember that moment as well, and that was, I would say, I wouldn't say that would be my first one, but that is certainly the first time I considered and then ran with the essential floor split option. Like, how important it is to get everyone on the dance floor, and how actually easy it can be if you're paying attention. If you're really genuinely paying attention to what's going on and you have a knowledge base, like, I mean, us at that time, we didn't know enough dances for us to be crucial in that sense. But with Rachel and her experience and how long she's been in it, she has this catalog in the back of her head that she's able to pull out all of these floor splits. And it really definitely made an impression on me as well. I can tell you, uh, Joe, at my first Vegas, certainly made a huge impression on me when she sat down for lunch with the group of people that I was hanging out with in the lobby, and we were just talking, and she she said that we're all just human, and we're all here to share in something that brings us joy. And that made a huge impression on me that someone who has in you know made such an impact on the line dance community was so humble about it yeah my joe one would be seeing her take people's classes she will be in the back of the room for so many classes over the course of the day right and then she's on her feet again at night dancing as one of the later people to stay up and She'll go around to different parts of the floor in the class um, and afterward, you know, doing open dance. And then when she's off the floor, she'll chat with different people and catch up. Um, And it's usually different people. It's not just like her same old group. You know, she'll meet new people, which can be scary for people who aren't used to that. But for her, um, I guess maybe comes easier. I don't know, because of her years of doing that. And similar to that, Rebecca Lee learning everyone's dances even if I don't always see it happen if I don't notice her in a class doing 
some dance, I will see her afterward dancing something by not her and think, how does she know this dance? How does she know so many of these dances? Um, and it's because she actually enjoys learning dances and then dancing them, whether or not they're by her. Because I've also seen choreographers who prefer to choreograph their dance and then sit down. That's it. Like they, Maybe they're not the biggest on teaching it, but they know that you know you don't, you don't get paid to choreograph; you get paid to teach. So, like to be part of this world and see your friends at these events, like you have to actually provide a service, and teaching is one of them. Um, and they don't learn other people's dances because maybe they don't have enough time, or maybe they're just not into the song. But unless it's like lonely drum and everyone knows it, you won't see them do other people's dances, which is weird. It feels weird when you you, you notice that about somebody that they're only doing their own and that's like all they seem to know when Rebecca's out there doing everything executing like flawless arabesques and also getting super funky like Roy and hitting all the beats of uh, a faster paced one you think she really takes the time to appreciate somebody else's art somebody else's creation and that's what she brings to open dance just like how Joe will openly show that she doesn't know everything despite you know being around for decades of uh, of, of line dance yeah because you know she started at birth <laughs> right 30 years ago and uh, <laughs> and she is just as much a beginner at those dances as everyone to her left and right and in front of or in back of yeah I like that um, I can definitely say Roy had a Shiroto without knowing it gave me permission to play and variate on dances uh, with just watching any of his videos, but most specifically several different videos of him dancing Rob Fowler's The Beast. Mm -hmm. That was when I realized, I was like, wait a minute, it's okay to dance not exactly to step sheet and like interpret it what I hear as long as I keep the essence of the dance true. So that, that was a big impression made me keep going um, I would have to say to get cheesy real quick the first person that I can honestly say that inspired me and challenged me to keep going and push harder and to really see what I am capable of would be you oh. You were the first person to give me the opportunity of going elsewhere. You you were always this character, this being, this entity that was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, okay. And when you were willing to help me learn 70 dances in less than a month to get me ready for my first Vegas, like... It was definitely inspiring and encouraging and challenging, and yeah, so thank you. Well, you, you mentioned the 70, and I, I also want to thank you for for staying on board through so many events and, and red-eye flights and all the things we've like crammed to learn in time for demos and writing step sheets when we didn't know how to write anything close to a step sheet. Because um, like some people will... I know everybody, you know, enjoys the line dance world in their own way, and 
people will say, oh, I would dance all day if I could, or I would <laughs> learn this many if I could, if I had the time. And you're one of the very few people who actually does take the time. And even when it's stressful, just powers through and like, you know what? We said we were going to learn this one tonight. We're just going to kick ourselves if we don't buckle down and do it. So let's do it. And then you know the dance. And like, that's all it takes is just doing the little extra, just pushing through um, when you do want to learn that many before the event, when it's like experience in Nashville and, and <laughs> you're trying to learn or remember things from these choreographers because then you can say, ah, oh, yes, I finally had the experience of dancing this at experience with whomever. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we've, we've talked to people who have said, you know what, I'm going to do my homework and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be ready for this or that event. And then... And then, you know, life gets in the way, as happens, you know, people, yes. people have priorities that are individual and specific to them themselves. Um, and you've consistently, when you've said it's a priority, you've made it a priority to prepare for some event or, you know, try to really knock out the, the steps to a song that you really want a solidly choreographed dance to. So I appreciate that. Thank you for for hanging in one of the other names that came to mind was Ruben ah Ruben Uncle Ruben yeah like looking back at like the beginnings of all of this this stuff when you were saying uh, like your early impressions of me I was thinking dang that must have been like Mavericks and like going way back and Ruben was one of the main bridges between my knowledge of country bar life all that stuff and um Events because when I went to Line Magic in San Bernardino, it was to see um, Sarah Stokes, who was a, an instructor at a country bar uh, in our area, and Brenda Chateau, who hey, I didn't, Brenda. yeah, who I didn't really know very well, but you know taught some classes in Sebastopol, and Cat Painter, who taught up in uh, Stoney's again, which is a country bar. So that that was kind of why I was there. Like I liked line dance. I was doing all these road trips. And it was there for country bar purposes. But talking to Ruben, he was, instead of being a gatekeeper of like, well, you're going to have to lose the hat, you're going to have to lose this, that, and the other thing, he was extraordinarily welcoming, gave me lots of information, never felt like he was trying to be a know-it-all, but was like sharing how much he knows. Oh, yeah. And there are also, like in the line dance world, you know, we're all generally on our best behavior and there's some things we just don't talk about, like the business, the industry, and all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And he's consistently also kept it real with us. Oh, yeah. Talking about things that other people might not want to talk about because they're, they're real elements to think about. Like, how do you negotiate a rate? You know, what's that about? How do you assess your value to an event? And other people, maybe they'll just have a light, fluffy answer, like, you know, be yourself and... and and uh, just use your judgment because they don't want to take responsibility for what you would choose. Um, he will say, you know what? I really think that in this, try this because in my experience, this has been the best way to go about it. You can do whatever you want, but if this is the outcome you're you're hoping for, this is a way to, you know, that has proven successful for me. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, I can tell you, Fiona Murray was the person who inspired me to look into solo line competition and in really truly improving my technique because of that so i i watched her compete at worlds in technical 
technically it's 2018 because of the January thing, um, where she did, I believe that was her Harley Quinn number. But I remember just seeing her compete in all the different forms on the floor and I was just blown away by the sheer talent. And she just looked like she was having the best time out there. I can only imagine what was actually going through her head, considering it was a competition. But she, she sold every single one of the movements for me. And I was like, how do I do that? I literally ran to like three different ballrooms to find Cat Painter to be like, you know technique, I wanna do that, teach me that. And like, I mean, I could not wait. So that, that was certainly something that inspired me. Um, the other thing is Michael and Michelle. Yeah, I'll see Michael and Michelle. There's just something about their personality where they're just so willing to do what needs to be done to make sure everybody's having a good time and they're quirky and fun and serious and it's just it's so heartfelt human range of emotions with them and they're so there's such a wealth of knowledge and they've never made me feel as though it was wrong to ask them questions mm-hmm. ever and I'm so grateful for that because, you know, starting out, you know, just dancing, that's one thing. But then getting into the choreography side of things and the instruction side of things and the DJ side of things, they were like, there's so much that could go wrong if you don't pay attention. And there's ways to and from... Um, like getting hired and negotiating and they've always been so willing to help explain a process of like what's worked for them in the past and then be like but you need to consider is this right for you and they've been very um, influential and a mentor to me and I'm so eternally grateful for them plus they're just really adorable to watch (laughs) they're so darn cute they're great examples of being yourself. Like, Boogie is 100% them. Like, definitely Michelle. <laughs> and uh, they, they take what they enjoy and they let everyone share in their enjoyment of it. And they give them opportunities to bring their own selves. Like, when, when they have people decorate the tables at Boogie, Boogie Till the Cows Come Home, uh, an event that they hold in the spring, that's completely up to the people at the tables. They have their theme, and they run with it. And uh, you don't really know what you're going to get, but because Michael and Michelle really go all out themselves, other people think, okay, well, we can go out and uh, get every decoration we can think of, and it's not going to seem like too much. If anything, it's going to seem exactly appropriate. They do the same thing with Palm Springs Winter Break, which all is their the January event. Yeah, yeah, and the light-up stuff, like... They, they go in big, which is funny because when you sit down and chat with them, they're they're just like, have have a have a tea and talk about what like I, I can imagine Michael's voice being like, yeah, let's chat, you know, what, what's going on with this or that thing, and they're so laid back, and yet they go they come to their their events full of life and color, and I, I I love that they can show off 
the, that side of them. Yes. Uh, so they really get to like stretch the fullness of their being. And that inspires, of course, you know, us or anyone else who sees them to do the same thing. You know, they, they don't have to hold back, so we don't have to hold back. Kind of like what you were saying about playing at events, you know, during yeah. dances. I mean, there's been so many people, honestly. Everybody, in some way or another, has encouraged and inspired me to keep going. Um, I would definitely have to say a huge person in my life would be Dolly Urquhart. She has given me so many opportunities that I don't know if I would dare ask for. But she's just she's just has so much trust in me and she offers me these opportunities and because of that I don't want to lose that trust. So I will go above and beyond whatever I possibly can do so that I can, you know, reward this um, feeling and uh, trust that she's placed in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like she's hired me for several events. She has let me help organize two now um, events. And she's hired me as an instructor for several things and really just been truly supportive of me. And I just, I don't have enough words of gratitude for her, um, along with, you know, even Brenda Chateau really early on was more than welcoming to when I first started to um, attend Wine Country Line Dance events. She was always so pleasant and so polite to me, and she got, like, excited when I was in the room, and, you know, so I was like, it made me feel like I wanted to be there more because I was wanted there. So, you know, I'm very grateful for that. And right now, actually, uh, the other two people that really, really come to mind is our DJ Jeff. Yay! Who has definitely taken me under, under his wing as a DJ and helped me figure out my, my style that I'm still figuring out but giving me plenty of opportunities. And even just tonight, he's gonna teach me something else. Oh, um, with the mixer. With the mixer that I'm having trouble with right now that I haven't been able to solve on my own. So he's gonna teach me something about that. And then uh, Betsy Wallace, hmm. one of our students and Thursday night regulars. She is a force to be reckoned with when she wants something done such as she's very excited about the idea that we're looking into doing a virtual social dance for our Thursday night folks and anybody else who in theory wants to join because it's virtual Mm -hmm. Um, but she's organized an email and sent it out to everybody that she knows she always like you know when we had the nights she was bringing groups of people for their first time to get them invited into line dance and like one person can make that much of a difference and it just kind of makes me want to step up my game more mm-hmm. so that's a whole bunch of list of people and there's so many others out there definitely all right well maybe at some point we'll circle around to that as well 
if there are any additional that uh, come to mind. All right, number 216. What's fine in small numbers, but terrifying in large numbers? Counts. <laughs> yes. Especially um, rolling rhythm counts. When you have like a bunch of one E's and then a bunch of two uhs and sometimes it's one e and uh and sometimes well actually one e uh sometimes it's one e sometimes it's two uh sometimes it's all of them <laughs> maybe it would be one and uh rolling has different uh rules but that, that's one of the things that scared me off of part of the list um, and i think that's why i keep forgetting the steps is because it isn't solid all the way through it changes um Kind of like, uh, even in Rolling Rhythm by Michelle Burton, sometimes it's one, two, three, four, and a five, six, seven. Um, and at the end, it's three, uh, or like something a six, something a eight, or whatever like that. When they drop some of the counts, and when they add some of the counts, and then they use all of them, or they use <laughs> part of them, that is, that's a little daunting when you're trying to learn a long dance. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head right there with counts. They're fine in small in small doses, but when you have them all together, it can be very, very terrifying to learn like a hundred and ninety-four count dance. Also, parts when it's uh, a, short, short A, long A, <laughs> B. Um, is there sometimes there's a sometimes C? I'm specifically thinking of Chase that dollar. I love that dance. It, it could not be better fit for that song because of how the song is structured. And I love how Dustin figured that out, Dustin Betts. I, I love how he figured out how to use all of the music and, and develop steps that go with the, uh, that music. Yeah. But, uh, choreographing that, for if I had attempted to, I would have just thought it was a lost cause. Or I'd just say, oh, you know what, it's 32 counts, let's dance through it. Just go off phrase. But... Uh, he, he found a way to make it work, and it's worth it once you get it. Uh, one, another one that's going to be a little more challenging for us when we relearn it is Take Me to Church, because that one's all over the place in terms of, like, sometimes it's this many counts, and sometimes it's that many counts. Also, it's multiple parts. Um, there's one that we were looking at recently, Take Me to the Water, where it starts out in, um, in phrases of six, where it's like one, two, three, and four, and five, or something like that. Uh, and then there's like a one, a two, a three, four, and five, six, and one, two, three. And then it's inconsistency. Again, in little bits, that's fine. You can remember this is that one part where we go a little off the rhythm. And then other times, every other eight count has something like that, and you don't know why you started learning it. <laughs> Tags and restarts fall under that as well, if you ask me. Yeah. One tag, four counts, is not nearly as intimidating as, you know, one tag, 84 counts, or six tags and, you know, four restarts. And <laughs> One that I would imagine would be a problem, but I haven't actually experienced it myself, is co choreographers, co-choreographers on a dance. It's hard to say, I imagine it would be hard to say that a dance is something you... I, when I think of co-choreography, I think, like, when I put this together with the other person, 
Like, there are dances that are so brilliant. Like, wow, I wish I would have thought of that. Like, to, how could I be so creative as, the, as Rachel, for example? Um, I wouldn't want to do the thing where you swap off eight counts, and if I don't really like their counts, well, tough, it's co-choreography, so I guess I'll just ignore the, those, those steps that they chose and get back to the ones I want to do. Like, I wouldn't want to do it that way. I would want to put together a dance with somebody that I would have, like, it, they, they come up with something that I wish I had been creative enough to come up with on my own. But having their skill set and their vision for those counts just makes the overall dance better. If you're co-choreographing with 20 other people, I don't know how I could say, oh yeah, I would have totally done that exact dance with all of the brilliance of everyone's contribution myself. I, so I can't put my name on it knowing that like I wouldn't have done like half the things in that. Yeah. Yeah. I would want to completely sign off on everything in a dance that has my name on it. Um, and if, it, if I don't feel that way, I would want to keep working on it. Find something that we're not just settling on, but something that feels great for both of us or three of us or however many. I don't know that I would have that experience with 20 people. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Huh. All right. Scrolling down. Oh, hey, you know what uh, also would apply here is questions. In small numbers, that's fine. 350 is a little challenging (laughs) over the course of several years. Uh, Let's see. Number 217. Do you like things to be carefully planned or do you prefer to just go with the flow? Totally depends. That is 100% total depends. Yeah. Ah. There were dances you were throwing at us last night when we were uh, reviewing. We weren't sure if we remembered them. Yeah, let's give it a try. It doesn't matter that we're on live stream and people can see us stumbling through the first five walls. It's like, that was kind of fun. I liked the adrenaline rush of not really knowing. Will we get this before the end? Right? There, there are certain things that I'm okay with. The idea of... Um, Again, I, go, I reference the Pike Peak event where they drew dances out of the hat. Like, we had no idea how that was going to go. We were told this is the baseline of the performance, which is Joanne Brady's the judge. You are all contenders. You're going to dance dances. We're like, okay. And, like, the audience is going to pick dances out of a hat. And there you go. That is what I was told, in so many words, um, how, how the dance performance was going to be. Mm-hmm. It was the most enjoyable moment I have had. I loved it. I had so much fun going out there. Because even the one dance, which you knew all of them, um, the one dance that I didn't know, I went out there and still had a good time and played around. Mm-hmm. You know, so... It was just fun because it was spur of the moment. It was, you know, its own organic organic entity. And that was amazing. But I also like things very much in order. Very much. I can't tell you how much I like when we're like, okay, our flight boards at 7.30. We need to be at the airport by 6 a.m., which means we need to leave by 4.30. So we're going to leave by 4.30, and we do. Like, I like when things go like that. 
<laughs> it's very stress-free versus the will we make it who knows <laughs> like <laughs> too many times <laughs> have we done that <laughs> so you know like there's a there's a side of me that really really appreciates the to the letter bullet point you know itinerary this is what's going to happen i like being prepared but i also really enjoy the adrenaline from the well all right now what we got to fix this or we got to do that or you know this this is what's next the ad lib this you know it's a lot of fun so it i'd have to say 50 50 i think overall if it's for someone else if it's for an audience if it's for line dancer radio which you can check out linedancer-radio.com i like for things to be a little more planned so that I, like, if I'm emceeing, I don't say something unretractable um, on the mic. I want to know if there's dead air, here are some things I can say. I'm not just going to go off on some tangent and say the wrong thing. However, if, if it's for me, I don't mind it being a little loosey-goosey because so much discovery can happen um, through novelty. And when you've got no preparation for something, everything is novel. Everything is the first time you're experiencing it. If it weren't the first time, then you prepared. Yeah. You prepared for what it was. That's why it's not the first time. Um, but like, you know, if it's going to be something else, somebody, if it's going to be something that someone else sees, like choreography that I plan to release, if it's going to be a performance at an event because I'm on staff, I want to feel prepared. I want it to be the best that it could have been given whatever constraints there were. Um, I don't okay. mind just workshopping something and playing with some steps and saying, you know what? I don't think this is it. I'm not going to release it because no one knows the difference. No one's depending on it to be released. It's just something for me to play with. And I don't mind things falling together in a haphazardly positive or beneficial way and then releasing that. Uh, but I don't want them to haphazardly fall together in a way that could have been better when somebody else needed it to be the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So got to go off that. I'm, I'm certainly the, well, if this doesn't turn out, at least we can call it an adventure. Yes. But I, I generally, I think I like to be more prepared than not. Okay, this will be a quick one. Uh, so I'll probably end up skipping through this one really quickly. We have like five minutes left. What animal would you most like to eat? Eat? Yeah, I don't really want to eat. I don't want to eat any animals. That's why I haven't, I haven't been doing meat lately. Yeah, during quarantine, I have just not really had a taste for... The things that I would normally make in other months, like steak or ground beef or ground turkey, I I think with with everything that's been going on in the world, I've had less of a trust for animal meat overall. So I've been staying away from it, which is a personal choice. Yeah, I mean I prefer my Amy's plant-based protein, and you know I generally don't. I'm I've generally as long as I can remember since like fifth grade or so I've always been less of a, a meat eater so it's never been one like I really want to eat this animal because oh my god like that no if in the future I find myself in a state of mind that I'm okay with this um, a couple that would be interesting would be dodo egg because, you know, the dodo's extinct, so that would be quite the opportunity. Oh, in that case, let's go with dinosaur egg. With what? 
if that's the case, let's go dinosaur egg. Dinosaur egg? That was my next <laughs> thought. It's either dinosaur egg or like dinosaur, like T-Rex thigh, <laughs> since it'd be like chicken thigh. And um, also unicorn. If I knew ahead of time that it would be delicious and the animal died of natural causes, and it, it maybe had like magical properties, I could see having like a shank of unicorn. Maybe unicorn horn if it was like candy. <gasps> no! Again, natural causes. No! No suffering. You bully. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would want to go to waste. It would want to return to Mother to Earth. Circle of well, through me. <laughs> I would sweat it out. No, it's okay. My dance. mom would totally be on board with that. All right, and then this will probably be our final question in the last three and a half minutes. <laughs> what fictional characters have you had a crush on over the years? This is question two nineteen. There is not enough time in the day to. Oh, I've heard some questions. of your crushes. Oh, definitely Neil Caffrey from White Collar, and you have Dean Winchester from Supernatural, and, uh, you know, there's been a few cartoonish characters, like Darren from Sailor Moon, and, um, yeah. I definitely, um, had more of these in, like, my pre-teen years, because that's what happens. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, from Smallville, uh, Lana Lang, played by Kristen Kruk. Um, Lola Bunny from Space Jam. Yeah, I think every guy was there. To be fair, she is hot. Yeah. Um, this is a little before my time. I didn't really watch the, the movie when I was supposed to as a kid, but uh, Jessica Rabbit from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That makes sense. Yeah. This was, like, after I got a little older, though. Um, let's see who else... Okay, so to kind of make it relevant to the world of like song oh, and dance. Yes, I was totally gonna go there. Posh and Ginger Spice. I had, <laughs> I had, I had actually, I wrote a love letter to, I believe it was Posh Spice, but I think I might have also written one to Ginger Spice. So I was kind of playing the field. <laughs> um, and I don't think I ever sent either of them, and it probably shot me in the foot that I wrote to both of them. I should have just picked one, but my, I originally leaned more toward Posh. Um, and, you know, that's kind of like a character because, you know, her name is Victoria Beckham. But at the time, I didn't know that. I just knew her name was Posh Spice and I think maybe Victoria. Um, oh, and then, yeah, Ginger Spice is Jerry Hollywell. But, like, once I was old enough to know who she was as a person and after she left the group, like, I could actually meet her if I really tried, I wasn't interested. Okay. She's too real. So, so putting this in a real dance-related perspective, Darren... Fred, and you are my male dance crushes. Oh, thanks. Rachel takes it all the way for female crushes. She's totally my female dance crush. So, we'll dance that. Dance crush-wise, uh, I think the first person I declared it to was Jennifer Wolfries. She looks like she's having so much fun with every dance she does. There's this way that she, like, shakes her hair that I don't ever see anyone else shake their hair that way, and she's just, like, wild with it. So much fun. And I already told her, so she knows this. Um, and... The way, the way that Rachel is just graceful with so much and also, like, super funky, um, that, like, if she were in line at uh, Safeway, I don't know if I would, like, you know, go over and say hi, but as soon as she moves, the way that she moves, it's like, wow, where does this come from? Where is this, like, fountain of dance inside her or, you know, that she's drinking from? And with 30 seconds left, I feel like I have more dance crushes but I may have to save those for some other episode. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
Any other closing thoughts in this chapter? Of, this has uh, been a very interesting question. drive. Yes. That's all I have to say. Awesome. All right. Well, for Line Dance Podcast, this has been Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barcelia. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. We will see, see you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.